0: Welcome to Grab Life Big. Grab Life big. the exclusive podcast for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic life, or as a few of us say, bad as rich guys who
1: do epic shit. And now, your host,
0: Bet Hybin.
1: I'm glad you were home. Huh?
0: Everybody, Wang Chung tonight. Hey, yeah. go-bro, what's up? I got uh, I got Mr. Chung in the in the GoPro room here. He goes by actually pronounced in Vietnamese, Jo. So uh, <laughs> you can call him Jo, and he'll probably jerk his head because he thinks it's his mom yelling at him for he did something wrong. But if you're just uh, hanging out with him, just go by Chung. He responds to that as well. And anyways, Chung, <laughs> welcome to the GoBro room, brother.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on the show, man. Appreciate it.
0: Hey, uh, Chung, I know you just got back last night from Cancun, and you're a little rusty this morning, but uh, why don't you give everybody a little rundown on your you, like your life story, like from the day you were born until today in like five minutes.
1: Okay, so I was born in uh, Vietnam, Yakim, uh, Vietnam, and that's about like east, about an hour to an hour away from uh, Ho Chi Minh City or Saigon in Vietnam. And I grew up with an older sister. My my mom and dad immigrated, you know, immigrated, brought all of us over when we we're about six years old. So in 94, I moved to the U.S. We sold everything. So essentially, you know, my family sold everything, came over to America through the church. The church kind of helped us out a lot. Uh, settled in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I grew up there, went to school. The neighborhood I grew up in wasn't the best at the beginning. I mean, it was kind of a rough place, you know, so... Get got beat up a couple of times walking down the street, wrong street, but it was all, you know, a hard lesson learned. So I went to LSU for two years. After that, I moved to Monroe, Louisiana, which is another smaller town, small, way smaller than like, you know, a big city like Dallas, like probably a hundred times smaller, Um, where there's a lot of land to hunt and do four-wheeling. So I went upstairs for um, just business, finish off my school, and that's where I met my business partner. He's a foreign exchange student from Korea. And when we're in accounting class, you know, we get to know each other. And when we we're studying together, he uh, he asked me if I want to sell these keyboard covers. You know, like something back in the day when your keyboards get dirty, you have a you can put a cover on it, it keeps it clean and dust-free. And a lot of the Apple, geeky Apple people, you know, they love that. So they want to keep their, their you know, device nice and clean. And so we're like, hey, sure, why not? Let's go sell this thing. And not sure what I got myself into, but when he came back, you know, so it was summer. He left for the summer to find a distributor or a manufacturer in Korea. And when he came back, he was like, I found somebody. We need to start a business. So around 2009, 2010, that's when we, we started uh, Re-Earth USA LLC. And the Korean partners, they would ship us products and we would try to sell it. So for about two three years, we didn't really make any money. And during that time, I was bartending, serving working at sushi restaurants i also worked at applebee's just trying to make money and we were just working during the day going to school he was a foreign exchange student he wasn't sure what the future is going to be i wasn't sure what i was going to do either because i was just a marketing student you know that's bs because marketing you know i don't know marketing always change over time so what i was learning probably wasn't going to apply very well in the near future and we did that after I graduated. I think I graduated in about 2008, 2000, I think 2012. And then, I can't even remember. I, I didn't even walk when I graduated. I wasn't the best student, <laughs> yeah, all right? Clearly, you didn't graduate. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't the best student. Let's just say that. I, I probably I probably had straight C's when I left, but it was good enough. Maybe so you
0: didn't graduate. Maybe you need to go back in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, so, and we worked out of a, a house that we both stayed in. It was an old house, but it was behind a bunch of restaurants. Like There was an Asian restaurant and there was a Wendy's, so it made it very convenient for us and whoever we hired. Also, he got married, so his wife was living with us. He got a baby, so his wife was working with us while there was a baby in the house. Uh, he was a lot older than me, so, you know, he he got married in Korea. He flew his wife over. His wife thought he was living in extravagance, but next <laughs> thing <laughs> you know, it just beat up whole house. <laughs> he sold her a against, <laughs> He's like, look at that,
0: I live in a mansion in, in the United States. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's what everybody thought. And so we grew the business. I don't know if you're familiar with the Galaxy S3 when it first came out by Samsung.
0: I mean, I know it was a long it is, but It
1: is a long time ago, and that's what really, like, took the business off. Um, we were making... Probably like a couple hundred dollars here and there a month. So we were, you know, all working second jobs just to, you know, pay for our rent, electricity, and our food. And by 2000, probably 13 and 14, that's when we really took off. And he asked me, Hey, you want to move to Dallas? And I was like, Okay, sure. Why not? I didn't really think much about it. Why? He said that there's more human resources in Dallas, there's more like
0: people to employ.
1: Well, he can. He say that he, he believes that Dallas can provide better uh, people, opportunity. So more people. Yeah, opportunity. Learn from. Yeah, then,
0: then yeah, at the time you were
1: where so you were in Baton Rouge still, or uh, Monroe, Louisiana. Monroe. Um, okay. Well, I, next,
0: I would, I would say he was right about that. I don't know anything about Monroe, but it sounds like a small town. You know,
1: it is a very small town. It's a college town, so like it's just like. If it's summertime, there's nobody there. But during the school year, there's tons of kids from all all over the state that comes to go to school there. So it's a college town. And I lived there after I graduated, we stayed there for about a year and a half before we left. And he asked me, I think clearly, I think honestly the only reason why we moved because there was no Korean food for him. So he was like, Hey, let's go to Dallas. There's Korean food. <laughs> so we went over there. We packed everything up, throw it in the <laughs> we did everything one day. We throw all the boxes. We had boxes laid up off from all, all of our inventory, uh, shoved in U-Haul, and I, we drove over there and found our random office, unload everything, stayed at a motel for like two weeks, finding an apartment. And all that is history now. That's that's where we started. And now...
0: And, and so now you still have this business with him, right?
1: Um, Actually, early 2016, we sold it to the Korean partners and pretty much exited the business. And now so we just talk, stayed talk on to me that about
0: s- that. When you sold it, like what... Like how much business was it doing?
1: I guess at the peak, we were doing about fifteen million dollars a year. Okay. So
0: fifteen million! Wow. You so you went from that to fifteen million dollars a year, and mm-hmm. then what? Like what was your net on that? How what was your EBITDA when you sold it?
1: Uh, we own you know fifty percent of it. The Korean partners have the other investment side of it. So I mean I don't really want to blow it out there, but we we're probably netted about eight mil total between the two. Yes. Yeah. So yeah four, split four, four million each. Yeah. And I guess, you know, my business partner, he's, he's a lot more critical and he's more uh, less of a risk taker because he saw a lot of competition. We're in the mobile accessory business. So when we started, there wasn't a lot of sellers on Amazon. We've, we grew up with Amazon essentially because Amazon gotten so successful. We've gotten really successful with them. It was just a skyrocketing effect. As they grow, we grew. And we just got in at the right time. It was the right timing. we didn't know. We weren't aware of this. We just was just selling phone cases. That's that's what everybody thought we were doing. Like, hey, you guys still selling phone cases on eBay? We're like, yeah, we are. <laughs> it was doing pretty good.
0: So what, what was that like? Like, I'm always fascinated by that. So, you know, you start out making a couple hundred bucks a month selling phone cases, right? And then all of a sudden, was it like? Then you got hundreds and thousands. And then luckily you had these Korean partners. So all the all the weight was, they were carrying all the weight, right? All you guys were doing was moving the chess pieces around on the marketing and the advertising, essentially?
1: So at the beginning, we were just selling the products that they were just giving to us. So whatever they had left over, they gave to us. And after realizing how the market was um, changing, um, Amazon was really changing the landscape. My business partner was like, I think we need to start selling things cheaper because this doesn't make sense. Nobody's going to buy a $25, $30 case doesn't make sense so we start implementing uh, like a new strategy like a low price strategy we we cut out all the the uh, packaging material reduce a lot of the costs we uh we forced the the partners to you know find ways to get to make these things cheaper because they were just charging us because they were charging margin on us because we have to pay them too as well so we owe them money essentially every product
0: so did you who collected the money who was so, doing the accounting on it? You? Uh, my husband?
1: business partner, my business partner. He, he, he did all the accounting work. So he, he was an accounting major. So you had control of the money. Yeah, so we had full control. It was Did, did, a very, did
0: you have to pay them part of the profit or did you-, you Yep, were,
1: they, we did. We did. It was an IOU type of deal. So they were giving us an IOU where they sent us products. We don't have to pay it now. It was like on net terms. So we have like 90 days to pay essentially. So we owe them, before we actually started paying them, we owe them about $300,000 over a three, you know, two-year two period. And then by the third year, that's when we were able to start paying them all the, for the, all of it, all the inventory they were giving us. So it, it was a mutual relationship. They were in a market in Korea where it's very hyper-competitive, small market. They weren't growing as fast. And then my business partner, I guess, sold them the idea that, hey, you can sell stuff in America. It could be successful. You can make a lot of money. So that's what happened, and they kind of gave us a chance, and you know I appreciate that a lot too.
0: So then they paid you eight million bucks. What was it making? Um, like, what was the profit
1: on it? We were probably we were netting like around one and a half to two mil a okay. year. So they, um, gave it, you, was, they it was it was a you lot. Four x they gave you four yeah.
0: four times, maybe six. They we're making, which is good. Yeah, I mean I don't yeah. know the the phone case business, but that sounds reasonable.
1: So the margin in two thousand and fourteen and fifteen probably 50% margin or 60% if you had like really big scale. Um, we were just medium for us. We are like small, medium business, more size business, but now it's very competitive. So that's why my, my business partner suggested the idea that we, we exit and look for something else because some of the big players, they were just suing everybody because there was no IP protection in this market. Everybody just copy each other. It's, you either go to China to buy it or you get, get it from korea which also buys it from china so it's one or the other it just korean has better quality and so during that time he noticed that it was just getting too competitive too many entrants into the online space and so that's the reason why we decided to exit i mean we still have a lot of when we left we have a manager we have you know seven or ten employees that comes in and out to run the operation now it's essentially just running itself the Korean partners they they manage everything on their side and the operation still runs over here. They come in they come here probably like maybe twice a year, probably like two weeks each, just to make sure everything runs you know smoothly.
0: That's fascinating. That that's a really cool story. Okay, so that was what a year ago.
1: Yeah, um, I'm still involved a little bit as just the uh, we're just advisors. I mean, my business partner. So if anything happens, you know, they call us up and like, hey help us out on this. Like I go through a lot of lawsuits so far. I've been through like three or four lawsuits. So I'm very, I'm kind of familiar with intellectual property. When the
0: company was open or are you still going through them?
1: Uh, We, you know, no, every time you own the company, you're done with that now, right? I, um, I still help them out with that because you know, they, they don't speak English. They're all Uh, Koreans. Yeah. You speak Korean? No. (laughs) No, I don't. I I just,
0: and they don't speak Vietnamese, right?
1: No well the the team over here the, the the management team over here they speak english okay so we we strive to have a bilingual team so that it's easier to to work so everybody there either speaks half you know either english or korean both or or both so it makes it very easy for everyone to communicate to to grow the business but mainly we just help advise like my business partner he does a lot of the finance um advice i do the um the legal advice because i I've dealt with it enough to where it's like, okay, don't be afraid. Like, Just keep pushing forward. You know, They can sue you, but you're not dead yet. You're still alive. <laughs> just kind of give them the, the support they need. Wow. Okay. And so what are you doing now? Now I'm investing in um, startups. So I try to invest in some startup and I also invest in a little bit of real estate and I'm trying to um, do a little bit of flipping with my, my wife too. So she works, uh, works full time and she kind of does it on the side. So I kind of help her with that. Kind of push her towards, you know, being more independent and being uh, pretty much working for herself. And I'm trying to find another big problem to solve. So mm-hmm. that, you know, just looking for another business, essentially. I want to build another business, but I don't know what it is yet. I just want to solve a big problem so that I can make a lot of money.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: That, that's do you, just do you, go. do
0: you have some in your head problems that you are keeping secret
1: uh, no not really um i i see a lot of problems like a uh, cup holder when you go on a plane you don't have a clip-on cup holder you don't instead of putting it behind the seat you know you stick your bottle into the little seat holder yeah but why don't you why don't you have like a, a clip-on like cup holder that can fold out and you just put your drinks up
0: but you know, well, you got to put it on that tray, and and then you always got to worry about it spilling when you put your book down on it or your computer on it.
1: Yeah. So and get yeah. and get
0: the drink, get your gin and tonic all over your the uh, <laughs> <your> laptop. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Then it gets sticky. Uh, yeah, that's a good problem.
1: Yeah. So I always try to solve some problems. So th- there's some other problems that I'm working on right now. There's just ideas until you actually do something with them. And I have to my 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 really best friend. He he always tell me he's like. You got to test these things first before you move forward with them because if you don't test, you know, you don't do like A and B testing or some type of beta testing, you could fail. Man, you know, face. there's
0: tons of problems. I, I you, know, you know, ever since uh, probably last 30 years, I've had this idea of a problem, which is just so stupid. It's like, you know, whenever you go to a, um, a restaurant, yeah, the table is lopsided and they can never yeah. fucking fix the table because it's yeah. lopsided or whatever. What if you just created like some silly putty or some clay? You can just get clay and package it as table table table, height stable, adjusted.
1: table, <laughs> table
0: and then yeah. you sell it to restaurants. <laughs> I mean, how simple is that? But no one's come up with that. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't know. I just wish, actually, it'd be great to have the time like you do, like, like to just come up with things. I think you got to come up with like 40 of them because so many of them you think are great. You'd be like, "This is mm. great! Everyone's going to buy it," but they just they mm. just don't work. You know what I mean? Like there's there's tons of problems, and there's in United States now more than ever with Shark mm-hmm. Tank, all mm-hmm. these shows. There's so much ingenuity, but you know, really, it's not just solving the problem; it's solving the problem and then putting a lot of energy and effort into getting people to understand that it's a problem yeah. and that it's a problem.
1: Well. It might be something more of like you probably don't even have to uh, make a clay. You can probably make it like adjustable <laughs> little leveler so you just stick it under that it can carry with them for any time you, you hit a random table. That's not that's wobbling. That's not stable.
0: No one does. Why I do that. They take a sugar packet and stick mm-hmm. it under there. You know,
1: that's a waste of sugar. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You know, like, I always do that one together. (laughs) Yeah. So I I try to, like, if you, uh, my friend told me, like, some guy was selling pet rock, and I'm like, what do you mean selling a pet rock? Like, you just get a rock, and you put, like, smiley, you put, like, a face on it, and it's a pet rock. And if you can market the crap out of it, he said, if you can copyright the crap out of it enough, somebody's going to buy it. You know, that's 100% margin right there. Some of that's
0: luck, too. It's luck. You know, I, I heard the most funniest Facebook post the other day. I forget who it was, it said, I'm sitting in Starbucks and two young kids are so excited about their new business idea that they just came up with that, and they were so loud and talking about it obnoxious that I couldn't help myself, but I went on
1: GoDaddy and bought the
0: domain.
1: <laughs> oh, that's messed up. That's like, <laughs> man, he's domain sitting. Oh, that's not cool. <laughs> that's messed up. That actually happens. Uh, so for us in Europe, we try to uh, trademark and you know, we try to get the domain for um, one of our um, products. So the brand is called Renke, but we try to get the Rinke.de. Well, another company already bought it and they don't want to release it. They want to charge us some ridiculous pricing just to get it. So we're like, screw that. We ain't gonna, we're not going to use that. We're we just going to use the com, whatever. But that's a good way to make money, too. Yeah,
0: so. I don't think it really matters because at the end of the day, it, it you know when you're dealing with trademarks and domain names and nothing matters if you're paying more money to market it and advertise it, it's mm-hmm. gonna win no matter what it is. You know, mm-hmm.
1: I think uh, if you have like something special, like a patented technology, now that that's something you need to start getting patent. You know, but when it comes to like selling a, an item like a case, that's very generic. Anyone can do it. But they copy the crap out of each other, so whoever can spend the most money. One of our competitor, the I don't know if you heard of Spiegan case. Well, yeah, they, that's what I have. yeah, they're very yeah. popular.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. So they, oh, that's uh, you have uh, you have what's that? It's in case S P E uh, C A. Spec, uh, you have spec. Yeah, yeah, spec. Well, Spiegan they um, they've gone so successful that they sold all the comp- all the people in Korea to uh, help them start up an IPO. So this company is worth like. I think I don't know the market cap was like 500 million or something. Jeez. Yeah, and they do about 100 million a year. It's insane. I don't understand, but now they're just suing everybody. They like trademark and patent everything, and now they're just going after people and just knocking them out, and they'll go into lawsuits just uh, you know, empty your pocket essentially, because when you go into a lawsuit, both sides are just paying out money. So whoever got the most money, whoever got the most money in their treasure chest wins. So it's kind of like, man.
0: And we don't understand different cultures too, because in some cultures, like that's just how they, to them, that's normal business. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got, yeah, I'm invested in another completely different company. One of my other companies, I won't get into detail Mm -hmm. because confuse everybody, but the stock price is down. And one of the reasons is, is Mm -hmm. because we got in the business in was somewhere in Asia. Mm -hmm. And they're purposely suppressing the stock price because it benefits them if the stock price, it doesn't reach a certain point by a certain date, then they get a better deal. So they're purposely like shorting the whole stock for like over a year now on purpose. And when my and when the people here in the states talk to them about it, they think that that's normal business. They're like, they're like, hey, that's unfair. You can't do that. You can't purposely suppress the stock price by controlling amount, yeah. by controlling the volume just to get a better deal. But they're like, no, that's you didn't put that in the documents. It's fair game. It's like a game of very aggressive chess. Does that make any sense?
1: Wow, that's insane. Yeah, they, isn't is that, that like, illegal? No, that's
0: allowed. They're like, this is allowed. <laughs> they're
1: like, you didn't say we couldn't do this. That's not manipulating the stock market, you know.
0: But they can That's do insane. it. I guess it's in Asia, right? They can do whatever they want. They can, or they can just deny it. I don't know. I don't know how they're getting away with it, but they are. And I don't know what they're going to do about it. But it's interesting. It's fascinating. I'm like, oh, okay, well,
1: it's yeah, better than I,
0: lying about it, I guess. You know,
1: they're honest. They're brutally honest about things. So <laughs> <laughs> I won by stock gonna... in Asia. So. <laughs>
0: This is uh, this is fun. So let's get into some uh, the GoBundance questions if, if we can, Chong. Um, so first of all, what percentage are you?
1: I'm about a seventy five to seventy seven percent.
0: Okay, cool. And what are your monthly expenses right now? Just your personal expenses to live? Is, do you live? Are you single? or you got a family? Uh,
1: What's yeah, I have a family, and monthly expense we spend about eight to ten thousand. And I've been Pretty really cool. trying. Yeah, I've been trying to drive that lower. Just to get used to, I'm not a, I guess I'm not a very high spender. I don't buy nice things because being in the manufacturing and distribution business and, you know, buying stuff from China and Korea and all that, it really annoys me when I see a bag that's like, let's say a Gucci bag. And I'm like, man, it does not cost them a thousand dollars to make that bag. That pissed me off. I don't want to buy it. (laughs) Right. So yeah, we try to push it down. So it was around eight to 10,000. This is besides the other business expense. That's just personal expense.
0: Okay. Okay, cool. Okay, so you're at you're at seventy five percent of that. So you got like seven thousand a month coming in, or so of horizontal income. What's your horizontal income consist of right now?
1: So right now we have a business, you know, one or two businesses that's sending us money
0: that you're not really involved in. Mm-hmm,
1: that I'm not really involved in. Nice. Um, we also have uh, um, I also have some rental incomes that really helps out a lot in Dallas. So yeah, mostly in Dallas. I bought everything in Dallas. I just recently purchased a 10 unit out in uh, Greenville, Texas. It's a little bit smaller town, but it's still growing. I'm just started moving towards the multifamily because I've been hearing that it rises through the uh, any type of depressions or well, you know, just any type of sh- you know change in the market, correction in the market, it helped.
0: Yes, true, but be careful when you buy those 10 units and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Give it at least a year, year and a half, so you get a control of what the actual expenses are going to be mm-hmm. because the, the economies of scale are not good on a ten unit because mm-hmm. you know you're paying for ten units and then you could at the end of the year you could look at your tax return and be like, damn, I you know it cost me sixty five grand in in expenses and I mm-hmm. budgeted for thirty. You know mm-hmm. I've had a couple of eighteen units and small ones like that and I was always disappointed in. The amount of money that I actually spent fixing.
1: How old is it? Is uh, it was built in uh, the 86. eighty six.
0: All right, yeah,
1: so so. it's not too bad. But it, it has a lot. It has some deferred maintenance. I just haven't had. I haven't moved towards you know repairing some of those things. Like it needs a new roof. and just need a new facelift, really, uh, on the exterior cosmetic work. But overall, it's in a very um, busy area. So there's a lot of business. that's. that's I just wanted to give it a chance. Try the 10 unit and then start moving oh, towards like the 100.
0: Yeah. So yeah. No, game. I think it's smart. I think it's smart. It's a, it's a good way to get into it. and That's cool. Okay, cool. So what about, uh, what's your net worth?
1: Around 3 mil. That's how I, I estimate my net worth right now, around 3 okay. mil.
0: And what is your life happiness index?
1: I am about a seven.
0: Okay. It's about average. And then, what mm-hmm. is what, what what's bringing that down? What the lowest
1: uh, pillar there that's bringing that down? Do you think for me is the extreme accountability? And when I say extreme accountability, is like I'm jumping around too much, and I'm starting to realize that I'm doing too many things, so I'm not able to find the one business that I want to I stick to for a long time to kind of you know that has an impact and that's also I guess reach a scale that I'm very happy with. To me, for some reason, I don't feel like I've accomplished a lot because, you know, compared to you and some of the other guys, I'm like, man, they, they're they like years ahead, you know, they've been in the game for like 20, 30 years and they just been, you know, they they're reaching another level. So I'm just kind of like just starting off. So I still feel like I haven't accomplished much. So I'm still trying to do more. And I, I'll be a lot happier if I can say that, hey, I built this uh, gigantic business that's self-sustaining for the next 50 years or something like yeah. that. <laughs> That's kind of one know, of my dreams. Well, you
0: know, one step at a time. It's like you did the first one,
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: And then just like you're doing the 10 unit and then going to 30, then going to 100 or whatever, like you said, mm-hmm. the same thing. So you know what it takes. I think uh, you're in the right mode. So, okay, cool. So, all right, let's talk about health. What do you
1: weigh? 197. I fluctuate from 200 to 195.
0: What do you want to weigh?
1: My optimum weight is 185. Okay, so you want to drop
0: 10, 12 pounds. Yeah, Yeah,
1: that's my optimal weight. Right now, my, my daughter and my family have been keeping me kind of busy, so I've been eating more.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> that happens. Eat, with,
0: eat. How old's your daughter?
1: Uh, she is 18 months. So yeah. it's very –
0: That happens with like leftovers. You have macaroni and cheese, and she only eats like yeah. a third of it, and then as you end up eating the other two-thirds of the – Yeah, time. so
1: – yeah. She 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 doesn't eat very much, so every time we give her a plate, she doesn't really eat it. So somebody has to finish it. So most of the time, I'm around. So so that that's kind of what's going on.
0: That's awesome. Okay, cool. And you know what your body fat is?
1: Um, I'm around 23 to 25. Okay. All right. Cool. Uh, Do you exercise? I do. I exercise about three times a week. Well, that's what I try to do. The most I want to do is six times a week. Before I met my wife, before I had kids. And before I started my business, I've been working out ever since I was about 15, got into the weight rooms and one of my coach at one of my uh, high school really started pushing for, you know, exercising, you know, lifting weights and everything. I was like, sure, why not, man? Let's just do it. And I've been stuck ever since, man. I just haven't stopped. Yeah. But yeah, that's awesome. So let me ask you about this because this kind of pops in
0: my head and I always like to get deep in these rooms here. So, you know, we've had a couple episodes with some children, some DACA children, which GoBundit seems to start it's starting to attract, you know, uh, Diego Corzo, you know, mm-hmm. was a big member and Daniel Del Rio, him and his parents came over from Mexico. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that. And Diego came over from Peru with his parents. And we talked about that. And so when you came over from Vietnam, you know, what was that process like? Did Was it easy in the 80s to get citizenships? Or are you a DACA kid? Or how's that work?
1: No, um, actually, we went through I guess it's a little bit more detailed. I don't remember as much, but anyway, we, we paid a lot of money to be able to be granted to get into the U S to get a green card. And so when we came over, the church kind of helped us out and we had to, I guess, get a lot of any anti- shots for viruses and, you know, whatever was out there. We got to, we took a lot of shots for that. We moved around a bunch of time too. So they moved us around. We were in uh, California for a while for like, Couple weeks. I I don't remember it as much. But but my parents told me. um,
0: But did you get citizenship right away?
1: No. So we were. We were. So we had a a visa. Yeah. So we were. We were. We had a visa. And my parents. Then we had to wait for the green card. And then we were able to. Once my parents got a green card, then they had to. study for their citizenship so we have to wait like i think five years or so before we were granted citizenship so i was on the age under the age of 18 so luckily my parents my mom passed the test so we were able to get citizenship i mean my mom is probably like the the toughest woman and she's the most hard working that's that's how i kind of got my you know my work ethics from she's still working today she's like 50 something still grinding it out she doesn't care what does she do she's a nail shop owner nail what? shop owner a nail shop owner you know? That's typical. oh of course
0: <laughs> of course
1: right yeah, and my dad he Sorry, also some
0: question yeah. yeah, so
1: my dad or he also uh my dad's a carpenter, so I used to work with him too, so him and me, you know he I'm like ten years old, and he's like, all right, come out here into the back, help me build this shed, I'm like, okay, so we spent. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's Which, cell
1: phone covers. I don't do yeah. So I'm, I'm very good with my hands. That's the only reason why I'm, I'm able to go into real estate because I, I, I've done nails when I was like 11 years old. Um, I cut grass. I used to pick weeds for people And these these ladies would charge me like $7 an hour. She was like, I'm not going to pay you more. $7 an hour. I'm like, what? That's crazy. That's slave <laughs> wage. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, I've been working. My parents don't give me any money. So I, I end up realizing that, hey, you got to go out there and get money yourself because- we're all struggling, and everybody's working all the time. And I essentially raised raised myself, and then my parents. I have two younger siblings too. So when they move, my parents move over here. They got they have two more kids. So I essentially raised my little sister growing up, and then I raised my little brother. And my older sister was raising me at the time, and then she moved away to go to school. And so I was like, oh shoot, okay, now it's me raising the kids. Wow! So.
0: Like, was your dad? in let's see how this would be. I guess your grandfather was he in the war in Vietnam? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we're we live in um the South. So he was in the war during uh That was your dad
0: or your grandfather? I mean my my granddad.
1: My dad was lucky. He was eighteen when he was drafted. So but by the time that he got drafted the war ended, so he didn't get you know.
0: What? which side was
1: he on? Uh oh no, he was the South side. Okay. South of Vietnamese. He wasn't a, a Viet Cong, I just say that. not a big fan. Because <laughs> in the South, like my grandparents they were kinda well off. My granddad on my dad's side, like he owned like a carpenter mill, so he did work and everything, and he made we made coffins back in. <laughs> we, my dad built coffins, hey, that's and a cool. bunch of it, yeah. yeah. So, so uh, you know, I hey, saw him. Kinda, in, it's kind of
0: like a cell phone case. <laughs> <You>
1: know, <laughs> yeah, different, close different level of it. Yeah, yeah. And my um, my granddad on my mom's side, you know, they were working with the uh, the U.S military so my granddad was a police officer and my
0: geez were they making coffins for like the the soldiers that got killed and stuff like that i don't know i don't know where the coffins were going back then right it'd be like the cell phone industry for you yeah and then all of a sudden it, you know there's not many people are dying that can afford coffins in south vietnam and then all of a sudden the united states government's like hey we need somebody is building those coffins." you know when they come back on the plane if you see those photographs of all the the dead soldiers coming back on the plane, they're coming back in coffins and I and I guarantee you they were being built. Right. Somebody there. was making
1: them. So, you know, Vietnam's very good at, you know, building stuff out of wood. So I think that's one of the things that's one the reason why he was selling so much coffins. He never I, told me about that's it, but, but you cool, know heard...
0: it's kinda like his life, you know, was it's like your life is micro of of potentially his life of riding that wave.
1: Uh, yeah and you know they weren't very happy with the you know the the north vietnamese the communist party because essentially what happened is anyone that was well off essentially everything got taken away so you kind of you lose your business you use your you lose your land and whatever house that you're living in that's the house you're gonna be living in there's no other choice and so my my parents decided that you know it was best to to leave because they didn't think that there was a better opportunity in the in vietnam which that's the truth because all the communist um, majority of the communist uh, leaders, the ones that you know won the war, they're the one that inherited all the land, the wealth. They essentially took control of the government, and the government took control of everybody's wealth, and you know just collected for themselves. You know, communism never works. Communism never yeah. works because it all end up trickling up to one person or one group of people. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, we went there last year with GoBundance, and the the weird thing for me was. They kept saying this is a communist country, but I didn't feel communist at all. I mean, everybody was hustling. Everybody was selling something. You know, it's yeah. it capitalism everywhere. You know. Yeah, they,
1: it, it's because of out of uh, survival uh, necessity. Yeah. Because the uh, I think the uh, currency exchange now is like twenty thousand to one U.S. dollars. So it's really bad. So there's a big inflation issue over there and there's still a lot of poor people. The city that you guys went to it's probably like one of the main cities, right? What did we you guys go all over.
0: We went, you know, we started in the south, went to the middle and then mm-hmm. let's see, so we started in Hanoi, mm-hmm. then we went to I want to say Pham or Dung Pham or right where the DMZ line is, the, the D- uh, demilitarized zone, right Dung Pham or something. Yeah, Dung Pham yeah. maybe. Then we went to hui Okay, and then no, yeah, you've
1: been to your nice places.
0: Yeah, and then we went to Saigon. So uh, we, we covered the whole. I mean, it was two weeks. We covered like we took like three flights within that within Vietnam, and we covered it. You know,
1: yeah, I think ever since um, Bill Clinton came and they the the Vietnamese government actually started opening the uh, the borders to the West again, it really changed a lot because now we have a lot of industries coming in big industries, and a lot of the clothes that you see now are made in Vietnam. A lot of the woodwork are made in Vietnam, so the industry is changing. And that gives the Vietnamese people the opportunity. Even though the wage is still cheaper than China, that's why everybody's moving to Vietnam. But it, it gives them something to live on. And and because of all that, I've seen a lot of changes, too. You know, they love the iPhone. So it gives. it's not like China. We don't get censored in Vietnam. like They watch everything. So right. they, yeah, no, YouTube, it wasn't uh, like
0: that because I was in China too and I took my kids to China and, you know, they couldn't get Facebook. They couldn't get nothing. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, we had Wi-Fi or we, we had cell service the whole time in Vietnam. There was no problem. You can get whatever you want.
1: Yeah. So uh, I think that's one of the best things about Vietnam now is that they realize that it's better off to make money than, you know, close your country's tree off, you know, because if you do, you can't keep up. Because before the war, Vietnam was doing pretty well. They were doing better than Korea and some of the other places. Then after the war, they were like way behind. It was like one of the poorest countries, essentially, because they were, the infrastructure was destroyed. Say so, that.
0: so you guys got lucky, right? You're six years old and a church, you know, has this thing where we're going to sponsor families. Now, was this just like, right? Was it like a Vietnamese church or was it just a regular church that says, hey, we're
1: here? Gonna- a, a, I think it's a Vietnamese American kind of uh, initiative. So it really helped out a lot. Um, I don't know a lot about it. I just know that you guys you know, didn't
0: go to that church afterwards or no, nah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, actually <laughs> no, we have friends that were there at the church. So we still talk to them, but during that time it was, it was kind of rough because like, you don't know, you don't know when you will be able to leave. And if anything happens during that time frame, like you just stuck in Vietnam forever. So it, it's crazy. Like, the US is like the toughest country to get into and everybody wants to get here and when you do get here you're you should value everything you have so a lot of the people who are born here like a lot of the the children that I see who are from immigrant families they don't realize how lucky it is for them to be in the US because this place gives you opportunity you can do you can be the poorest in the world and come to America and still be able to make money you know that's why it's man I'm I'm grateful to be here
0: yeah, I love the mentality. I mean, the streets are paved with gold, right? I mean, that's a lot of that's the immigrant mentality of like, you come here, hey, you know, it's everything is is here. A, a lot of kids nowadays that are born here and raised here don't have that mentality. They're they're spoiled, you know. They don't understand how grateful and and fortunate they should be. I think as a as a parent, one of the best things we could do is take our kids to other countries where they can see, you know, how. Other kids struggle, you mm-hmm. know, and, and are going to never be able to really, you know, create a cell phone business or create anything because they barely, because they don't even have shoes on their feet and there's no, there's no way out, you know?
1: There's no way to climb out the, the poverty, essentially. It's tough. But no, and, you know, for my parents too, you know, coming over here is a great life inspiration because you don't speak the language and you end up just trying to make a living. And you know, my parents paid for pretty much. You know, they pay for the house, they pay for their their living expense. They take care of us. They help us do college. You know, but I I hate borrowing money from them. That's one thing I dislike doing because you know, seeing how much how hard they work. They work. My mom works Monday to Sunday, so every single day, and she wakes up at the same time and do the same thing every single day, and she's okay with it. And I always ask her, why don't you just retire? You know, you know, you don't really have to work. You can just retire and enjoy life a little bit. Like She works through, it's crazy. Like She would have a toothache. You know how you have a really bad toothache and mm-hmm. you don't take medicine? Well, you do take medicine. They give you painkillers. But some t- my mom says, oh, the medicine makes me lazy and <laughs> weak or something. And she will work through that without medicine. I'm like, oh, I think you need to go to the doctor because her face yeah. will swell up. At least get it pulled out. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's waiting for the appointment date. So she's just like riding through this thing. She's like, man, I don't feel so good. I'm irritated right now. And it's like a throbbing pain in a muffin. I, I, I bet she's in pain. And she, she also been in through two surgeries. Um, she had like a stomach ulcer. And after surgery, a few days after, they told her she can go home. She laid in bed for a couple of days. And she's like, I need to go back to work. She just ride through the pain. And it's like, man, that's an inspiration, you know. And that's the reason why I, I never want to borrow money from them. Because if I do, that means I must be a shitty ass person and not know how to make, be successful at something, you know. I just gotta be able to find someone to make money. If they if my parents can is able to do that for nothing, then I right. should be able to just go out and get some money somewhere. Yeah,
0: right. Well that's true. I, I think that's really true. whenever I see people they're like, Oh, I've been looking for a job, oh I can't that's bullshit. You know what I mean? Go to Starbucks, go to you know, go there's <laughs> to McDonald's. Go to McDonald's. There's so much money out there, right? Yeah. Everybody wants everybody's hiring somebody. they like, oh, no, you know, there's no jobs. I mean, that's bullshit, you know.
1: There's always jobs. <laughs> it's America. There's always something. Somebody's willing to pay you to do something. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the crazy thing about it. And, uh, like, I always tell my, my wife, I was like, man, if we lose everything, you know, if I made some bad choices, <laughs> let's just say I made some bad choices, I'm going to go clean people's shit, you know, turn shit into gold, just be a plumber. I'm serious. That's just what they're doing. Essentially, these guys are making a killing being a plumber.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's tons of stuff to do. Well, Chong, this has been awesome, buddy. This is uh, we we hit some deep subjects here, and uh, you know we kind of went off the normal questions, but I think these were like really good uh, conversation pieces. And look forward to meeting you. You going to Steamboat?
1: Yes, I am. Okay, I am. I'm excited for
0: that. Well, we'll we'll hang out and uh, I look forward to it buddy and uh, I'll talk to you then thanks for coming in the Gobro room
1: All right awesome man thank you I appreciate it
0: Grab Re- 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 life big. <laughs>